Okay, everyone, here is the latest from the Bolt from the Blue podcast. It's been a while since we were talking to you, and I'm very, very honoured to have uh, Ray from City Fan TV on YouTube with me. Let's just check in with him, see how he's doing. How are you doing then, mate? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right, considering what happened uh, over in um, wherever it was, Porto and the Champions League final um and you know ups and downs uh, so yeah i think i'm as good as i can be after what happened over there okay well listen let me take you through guys um since uh, we last spoke to you so the last time we spoke to you, you you may remember that i lost my collective senses um throwing away a game um away against uh, chelsea since that since that time um we won a game against Newcastle 4-3. Um, now, I'm just going to go through these one by one, not for a very long time, but I'm just going to get um, Ray's responses. Ray, um, casting your mind back, do you remember that away game against Newcastle where we yeah. won 3? Yeah, it was a, a dodgy defensive performance, but Ferran Torres scored an excellent, really was an excellent hat-trick. Um Goal of the season uh, with oh, that. Wasn't that goal a little bit like Gianfranco Zola? Oh. Yeah, you know, it was the only way he could really get it on target or hit it with his knee. He he, um, you know, healed it in from from a good distance. I mean, the the ball in had plenty of pace. He got a good connection. It was a great goal. And it was up and down that game. You know, um, City weren't that hot um, as a team. And it's something that I was concerned about at the time. You know, that the game against Chelsea was a home game that we lost. Um, that was, um, you know, losing it at the end was in not just, it felt a bit embarrassing. We made a lot of changes again for that Chelsea game. And we were doing this again and again throughout the end of the season. I think we ended up losing four of our last six games. I've said it many times. When you put, I'm not, second rate is unfair. When you put the, the, the second string, out and there's too many of them. They're not a good team together, uh, and and we're we're much more fallible. Um, and that that was a, the case against Newcastle. I mean, you know, teams should not be scoring three goals against Man City, um, but we prevailed. We we got through that one um, thanks to that those three goals from Ferran Torres. And he looked so happy, so so happy. And well, you just thought this kid me, needs. Let me just jump in there, Ray, and 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 let me ask you. How do you assess um, Ferran Torres from what you've seen so far? And um, what do you think his, his strengths and qualities are? And how do you think that he might um, uh, progress? He's been a bit in and out for me. Um, early in the season, he showed glimpses. But I think he, he definitely lacked confidence. Um, and so the, the things I was looking for from him, the, the exciting things I, I was looking for was where he could take two players on. At the same time, so he'd go in and out of them, quick feet. Uh, I said at the start of the season uh, that if Riyad Mahrez doesn't step up, I can see Ferran Torres taking his place by the end of the season. That, that didn't come to pass. Riyad Mahrez did step up. Torres had his own issues with COVID, with um, struggling to get back in the team once he was out. Once the team was playing really well, he was struggling to get back in. We used him as a number nine. We used him as a false nine, that hat-trick he scored. He said, I've never played as a nine before. 
but maybe, and certainly not as a false nine, but hey, you know, uh, maybe it's an option. Because oh, Ray, and he, after, the, after the game, um, uh, our manager uh, said, maybe I'm going to have to think about him as a number nine. What do you well, think about that? Well, I, I said right from the early, early on in the season, when you see Raheem Sterling shoot, generally, he just hits and hopes. Gabriel Jesus is the same. Mares, I've seen in games, is the same. Sometimes he just hits it on target. They're just glad sometimes to get it on target. If Mares isn't bending it in, that's when he's using skill. He's just glad to get it on target um, if they try and use power. Torres isn't satisfied with just getting it on target. He tries to beat the keeper. And I think that's the, uh, I was going to say subtle difference. It's not subtle. It's a huge difference. He's not content with getting his shot on target. He is trying to beat the keeper. I think that makes a world of difference. He gets in some good positions. I just said he needs confidence. Um, and he was he was scoring some good goals earlier in the season, getting good positions. Um, been out for a while, out the first team for a while uh, has hurt him because he needs that confidence. Everybody needs confidence. Uh, and as I said, I, I, I was saying to beat the, the last two games of the season against Brighton and Everton, because in my opinion, he was quite probably, if he could sustain that form, would be the first option off the bench. Or if someone got injured before the final, I would have quite gladly put Ferran Torres in because that, the confidence he would get from playing games, scoring goals, is what is going to make him a good player. He needs that confidence he needs to feel good and get his self-belief uh, buzzing same as John Stones John Stones had a cracking season but he needed that belief and self-confidence and he needed a run of games um, so yeah and it's just a shame I'm going to move on to the next game yeah yeah, uh, that's yeah. what I'm going to suggest right. then, uh, uh, Ray so the, the next game was Brighton 3 Man City 2 what do you remember about that game I remember we got an early sending off was it Concello yeah whether you you can argue whether it was a sending off or not it's up and down. Uh, from some angles, it looked like a ridiculous decision. From some angles, you can understand why they did it, but it still looked harsh. And, and Ferran Torres got yanked after 10 minutes. So, you know, that's not going to help his confidence. I, 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 I don't like when, when Pep does this. When we have a player sent off, he brings up, uh, on a defender for an attacker. And I don't like that because our system, we're a systems team. We're not just a bunch of individual players. We're a system um, and we need 11 on the pitch for our system to work. That's why you've got someone like Edison passing the ball, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 yards because it's part of our system. He's he's effectively an outfield player when he's got the ball at his feet. Um, so when we're down to 10 men, the system doesn't work as well. Taking off the attacker, it's it stops our press, stops our uh, creativity. Um, and stops us having pressure on the opposition and it makes it more difficult for us to score goals. Exactly like what happened at Wolves. We were 1-0 up, had a sending off. We managed to score a second goal. Pet went ultra-defensive, kept bringing on more and more defensive players. We ended up losing 3-2. They scored three goals in about half an hour. Brighton, not much different. Winning 1-0. Were we even winning 2-0? Ford and scored, uh, yeah, scored, Ford and scored a great goal, if I remember correctly. Uh, fantastic goal from him. We're winning 2-0 with 10 men. It's hard work, but Pep's the ultra-defensiveness catches us out. Brighton got a goal back, and as soon as he got a goal back, you can see, mm, you know, this could happen. I can't remember everything about that. They were, look, they were lucky. 
They were lucky with a challenge, I think, as well, where I think a player should have got sent off. If that was the game, I think a bad tackle on Gundogan. Um, and there was a pe- was there a penalty near the end, yeah. which was a definite penalty foul, I think, on Gabriel Jesus, was it? It was a definite penalty. There's no question about that. It wasn't given. So a couple of bad decisions. You know, 10 against 10, we crushed Brighton, I think. Uh, 10 against 11, tough. If they'd been down to 10 men, 10 v 10, I think we beat them again. Give us that penalty at the end. It makes a big difference. So a lot of things conspired against us uh, that day and we ended up losing. Um, I don't like it. And I said, I kept saying this. I don't like us putting in half-hearted performances. I don't like losing because losing becomes a habit. Same as winning. Winning becomes a habit. So I don't like giving up games. Even if you're playing in the Cups, um, I don't like giving up a game. Even if it's in the Champions League and it's a dead rubber, you've won the the group and it doesn't matter. I don't like giving up a game to a draw or a defeat because winning breeds confidence. You know, and 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 I, I've said it all along. Chelsea beating Man City, even though people said, "Oh well, it was a much changed City. A, a proper City team would have beat Chelsea." And all this, the fact is, Chelsea beat us twice, and that would have given them their players confidence, extra confidence that they could beat City. It might not be much extra, but it's in their favour, not ours. Well, um, we, we did have those two games that were <clears throat> disappointing. Although we won against Newcastle, we lost against Brighton. Um, Pep was being experimental with the lineups. People weren't happy with it. But then we went into this game against Everton and um, people were saying, OK, well, this is uh, Sergio's uh, swan song. 5 mm. nil against Everton. What do you think? Yeah, pretty easy. I, I, Everton had an outside chance of getting into Europe. That required them to win. Once they were 2-0 down, that's when I think Agora came on when it was 2-0. The game was over. They weren't bothered. Everton, Everton had given up, you know, because they were not getting into the into the uh, into Europe next season. And instead of finishing about seventh in the league, then I think they finished tenth. And look, Sergio came on, scored a couple of goals, good goals, but uh, you know. People, I understand people saying, look how good Aguero was. Um, but That's Everton what I was going to ask you, Ray. I mean, do, do, do you think that that um, Pep was being a little bit premature? They did accuse him. I think his brother, Sergio's brother, came out on um, on uh, Twitter and, uh, well, not Twitter, but social media and said that um, Guardiola never wanted my brother and that uh, he was always going to get rid of him. And uh, it's in five years, I mean, it's older yeah. dash, isn't it? It's a lot of old baloney. Aguero said five years whilst Pep was here, and yes, it looked like he might be on his way out. He wasn't the kind of player Pep wanted. Pep kept him, uh, and Aguero's still played well. But Aguero's, I don't want to say he's past it, he's still got a lot of a lot to give, I think. And I, I thought he might get an extra season because on why the not? Word cur- curve, maybe, though, Ray. Sorry. On the downward curve, you might. Think. Oh, he's certainly, he's, he's certainly He's certainly not going to be as good as he was five or six years ago. I've, I've been saying for three seasons. You can see him going backwards in terms of. I feel he's getting. He's becoming more greedy. He's trying to do the things he was doing six or seven years ago when he could best pass four or five defenders and keep going and, and slam the ball home from an outrageous angle. He can't do that anymore. So. Um, I remember one game, must have been between two and three seasons ago. I was at the game and he got the ball. He burst past two or three defenders in terms of getting past one and leaving them behind. 
five, four or five years ago, he'd have stayed past those defenders. He was, he's probably 40 yards out. He'd have stayed past them and no one would have caught him. But this time, three of them caught him up. And I, this was a couple of years ago. And I just thought, you can see he's he's got that explosive burst of energy, that pace, the, the huge thighs, huge thighs that get him um, quickly over the first few yards. But after that, he can't sustain the pace and people catch him. So you could see he was on the downward curve. And I, and I just thought that him being greedy, uh, missing penalties, he's done that throughout his career at City. But he was definitely on the slide. He's definitely going backwards. Still a very, very good player. You know, some of the goals he scored uh, um, in the twilight few games uh, for us were, were still brilliant. Well, but Ray, we've, not, seen, we've seen him in the Barcelona shirt. We've seen, we've seen um, him in the Barcelona shirt. We've seen his comments saying that Barcelona are the greatest team in the world. How would, well, you, how would you expect him to do over the next uh, season? Well, I will just say, I can't expect Sergio Guerra turning up to Barcelona and saying... Uh, the press conference, Manchester City are the best team in the world. You guys aren't. You know, it's the same way when you've got a, a, a footballer on a radio station, especially in another country, and they, they, ask, they ask, let's say, Mick Mahrez, uh, and they say, would you like to play for PSG one day? He's not going to turn around and say, well, no, they're cack. You know, I don't want to play for them. He's got to be diplomatic and polite and say, well, maybe I've got a contract at City, maybe in the future, blah, blah, blah. Aguero's got to do, everybody's got to do the same thing. You know, you don't expect, um, if someone asks me, if, you know, I'm on the radio and someone says, what about this boat from the Blue Podcast? You know, is it any good? You don't, you don't expect me to go there and slate the boat from the Blue Podcast. I'm going to sing it, uh, sing its praises. So it's the same with Aguero. He's a, a Barcelona. He's got to say they're the best team in the world. He, he's got to say that. They're not. They're the best club in the world. That's debatable. Everybody thinks their club is the best club in the world. They're certainly not the best team in the world. I mean, right now, they struggle to make the top 10 in the world. So, um, it, it's just, look, he's got to say the stuff to keep the fans happy. Even the diehard fans know they're not that good anymore. Um, but he's, he's just got to toe the party line and keep them happy. Well, Ray, we've got to get on to this because um, I felt like... Um, I'm, I'm kind of glad that we didn't do a pod straight after the Champions League final. Because um, I I lost my collective uh, senses again. Pep did it again, didn't he? Yeah, he was trying to get around. And I've seen people some good stuff on tactics come out after the game. Why Pep did what he did by having the extra attacker. And what Pep did played into the way Chelsea wanted us to play. Chelsea have struggled a little bit against teams that sit back. But Ray, I've, I've got to ask you this. I've got to ask you this. When you saw the lineup for the for the final, you were thinking back to that um, that uh, that loss in the league against Chelsea, where he picked this ridiculous lineup, weren't you? I mean, my goodness, no no uh, defensive midfielders. You've got uh, Foden, who was neutralised by being dragged back to the number eight. And he levered Sterling into the team who was not in form. I mean, my goodness, Ray, what on earth it, was it, he doing? Yeah, it was nonsense, you know. Um, I, I can understand people saying why Pep did it, but Pep See, does I, things. I can't, I can't, Ray. I, don't, I can't get well, the I'll, logic. Let me try to understand. But I'm, I'll just say up front, we are allowed to criticise Pep. I, and I'm allowed to say he's the best manager in the world and I don't want him to go. But we are allowed to criticise him. We are not happy clappers. You don't have to spend your time being a, 
a miserable so-and-so or a, um, a happy clapper. There are too many fans out there who are happy clappers who keep saying, look where we came from, where we were 20 years ago. Come on, guys, we've moved on. The world has moved on. We haven't forgotten, but we're in, we're a different beast now. We're a different animal uh, is Manchester City. So we are allowed to criticise the manager. Uh, and Chelsea, I think he got it wrong. We had the beating of Chelsea in that game. Oh, absolutely. If, absolutely. If, if the lineup had look, been correct. Look, for me, I'd have played Fernandinho um, in the defensive midfield position. Um, and if it was me, I'd have played Foden out on the left because he's been doing so well there. I'd have played Gundogan in his right place as attacking uh, midfield. Why, why do you think? Why do you think he he played Sterling? He, I mean, no, nobody well, wanted him to play Sterling. I, I, I did say. I did say before that that Pep might try and shoehorn Sterling into the side because Sterling had had a couple of decent uh, appearances in the previous two games. But I also said he had opportunities that he didn't take. So he looked, he actually looked reasonable and pretty decent until it mattered, until that final pass, until that shot, until that final decision that he had to make, which he got wrong. So he did all the approach play right, and he missed the target on, on a couple of goals or something in previous games. And I thought, he looks in reasonable form, but he but his final product, his end product, his final decision wasn't right. That's what concerned me. And I, But I said, up to that point, he looks dangerous. And I think Pep might try and squeeze him into this side, which I thought was wrong. Um, so, yeah, we ended up with, with Fernandinho uh, not there. We ended up with Sterling shoved in. Gundogan playing out of position from what he's done so well this season. Um, Fordham moved away from where he's been playing so well. I read a stat that said uh, we played either Fernandinho or Rodri, sometimes both. Let me, let me in ask all you. but one game this season. In all but one game. And in the Champions League final, Pep decides to do it again. Let, and I let, just, let, let me ask you to comment on this uh, point by the guys at The Guardian who said that by... Um, Taking Rodri and uh, Fernandinho out of the team and putting uh, Gundogan in there at um, the base of midfield, he didn't really know what he was doing. He certainly wasn't able to exploit his strengths. Yeah. Um, KDB didn't know what he was doing either. And they pointed. They, someone pointed out to the fact uh, that after the game, um, they interviewed Pep Guardiola and uh, they asked him about um, uh, Gundogan in there at uh, defensive midfield and, and Pep said well he's done it before and then someone very quickly pointed out yeah the, but the last time that um, he, he did it before they were they uh, Germany were beaten like 5 or 6 nil by Spain that's what you get when you uh, put an offensive minded player in there look sometimes okay it's, it's human nature to defend sometimes, to defend a bad decision, OK? Pep's coming out with this. Look, I've said to people, Gundogan played there in the formidable season when Fernandinho was out for about 10 weeks. Gundogan played there. We won 14 games on the bikes, four of them 1-0. Lots of clean sheets. And he did a great job. But this is a, this is a different style. In, in that side, we had David Silva in, ahead of him. We probably had Leroy Sane for some of the games. We had a more on-fire Raheem Sterling. We had Aguero scoring. You know, we were a much more attacking, offensive unit, and we had much more of the ball. That's an important point. We had much more of the ball in a lot of those games. Against Chelsea, you're not going to have as much of the ball. We're still going to have more of the ball, but not as much. 
that makes a difference. It means he's going to be under more pressure more often than he was two or three years ago. And that, that came to pass. Um, as I said, I understand some of the arguments why Pep did it, but I don't believe he should have done it. I should. Have, I think he should have stuck to what was working and been more patient. Now, I've seen it before in games where we've got a low block of a team who are going to be ultra-defensive. We have Concello playing on the right, especially, to make that extra body in midfield. He'll come in midfield. He'll be extra creative in midfield. I've seen last season against Crystal Palace away from home, knowing full well Crystal Palace will be ultra-defensive. We already had Fernandinho playing at centre-back. I always, I always criticised that decision last season. I said Pep got it wrong. But Pep put not just Fernandinho at centre-back, but Rodri at centre-back so that we could start playing the ball a little bit earlier. We could be more attacking a little bit earlier in the piece because he had two players who, you know, who did that role in midfield, stuck him in at centre-back. We had the players, I think Stones was out, but we had Otamendi and Garcia on the bench off the top of my head. So I've seen him do odd things before to try and get around this low block, which he knew Chelsea would play. Chelsea are playing 3-5-2, something like that, or 3-4-3. Um, and they'll end up as a 5-3-2 at times or a 5-2-3 at times, which is what they did. The, the, the wing-backs will, will uh, plot back into uh, as full-backs uh, as a five, part of a five-man defence, and they were very, very good defensively. So Pep's trying to counter this. But what Pep does to counter this is open us up. So he's trying to get an extra body in midfield to give, be more creative, but he takes a body away from our defensive uh, line, our defensive unit, uh, to do so. And I think, we, obviously, we, we suffered from that. Chelsea came through time and time again. I did a podcast on the Friday with a, uh, with a Chelsea um, reporter, Chelsea fan and reporter. And I said, he was talking about having a front three that didn't include Timo Werner. I said, for all his issues in front of goal, I think his pace is going to cause us trouble. And I would have him on the left. I would have Havertz there. I look, really like Havertz. I'd have Mason Manch as well. And what happened for the goal that Chelsea scored? You had uh, Timo Werner um, going from the middle out to the left with pace, taking our defenders with him. Um, three City players let Mason Mount alone. Instead of one of them going towards him, they all went backwards. That included Walker, Stones and uh, I don't know the third one. Um, and Zinchenko was asleep. Habits nipped across him. Huge open space. People... A lot of people who wanted Fernandinho to play will say Fernandinho would have been there. He would have made the difference. I think that he would have made a difference, at least in in the in-game management. You know, uh, because once you see a, a centre-back running out wide, leaving a whole big space, you'd have liked, to, you'd have hoped that someone like Fernandinho would have told Zinchenko to come across, get on the other side of uh, Havertz. Uh, you know, move a couple of yards. That would have made us so much difference. Didn't happen. This this got that goal. So Pep made a massive cock up with that. With that, and then he compounded it by keeping it the same. Some people said. Some people said, "Well, Chelsea only had two shots on target. You know, they weren't that good." And I, I said, "Behave, absolutely behave." Because Werner had a great chance in the first half in the box, which he fluffed. So that should have been a shot on, on goal. It wasn't even a shot on target. Pulisic had one in the second half where he dinked it over Edison and it went wide. And people don't, you know, people turn around and say, well, they, they weren't shots on target. Well, they were, you know, they should have been, I think each of those should have been goals. So Chelsea could have beaten us by more. In that first half, they, had, they were having too many opportunities and we didn't do anything. Half time came and went. 
kept kept it the same. I'd have changed it before half time because it wasn't. It was obviously not working. Okay, I would have changed it at half time if I hadn't changed it before. He didn't do that. And the other thing, you know, by, by forcing. And I'll go back to Sterling. I'm, I'm having a bit of a, a long chat here, but Sterling very early on in that game, Edison puts the ball over the top. Reese James, very competent and fast defender, very intelligent. He's caught out because Sterling times his run. Sterling is in behind and Sterling doesn't control it well enough. And that's it. That's the chance you had gone. If he can, I, I, I maintain, if he controls that, he can uh, get into the box. And he can cut across Reese James, okay, because he's behind him. Reese James cannot afford to touch Sterling because it'll be a penalty and Reese James will be sent off. So um, he'd have had a, a, an open run to, on, on goal. And maybe have had a good chance to score. Sterling doesn't control it. Reese James is, manages to come back and, and puts it out for a corner, I think. And that sums up Sterling. Um, and one more mistake I think Pep made um, before I rest my voice. Sterling got nothing out of Reese James. Sterling, for, for far too long now, for two seasons, has generally tried to beat players with pace. And with pace alone, not much trickery involved. If you look back to what he was doing in the Centurion season, in the formidable season, he was using a lot more skill, technique, guile, craft, creativity you know, to get past people. He was dribbling past people. He wasn't relying on his pace. He relied on a, on a bit of skill and then his pace kicked in. Players couldn't get back to him. Now he was he's relying on his skill far too, sorry, his pace far too soon. He's using that. And he got no change out of Reese James. On the other wing, Mares got no change out of Ben Chilwell. Now, Ben Chilwell isn't the fastest, but neither is Mares. And Mares wanted to run at him, but he never got the ball in a position where he could run at Chilwell. And when he did, there were two men on him. Chilwell and somebody else would come to help out. And I said, why don't you swap them over? Sterling would kill Ben Chilwell. He would destroy him with his pace because he can. He can just knock it past him and run. Against James, he can't do that. Mares was struggling against Reece, uh, against Chilwell because Chilwell's right up tight to him. Mares on the other side would have been able to have a go at Reese James using his skill. Now he's not fast faster than Reese James, but Mares will create that that little space past the defender by using his skill. And Pep never did that. So you know, it was just the longer you watch that, the more you thought this City are not going to win this. I mean. Uh, uh, and and uh, and I, I actually put a tweet out after about 20 or 30 minutes and I said, I've got a bad feeling about this because Chelsea were just charging through us time and time again. Nothing was changing. We were not doing anything to uh, to to stem the tide. Uh, and so it transpired. They scored the goal. Uh, we were just unable to uh, create much and we ended up getting beat. Well, Ray, we've got a listener question in just as we as we did this, uh, as we we're doing this podcast. And I, I, I suspect it's from one of um, my Korean um, uh, supporters who were saying, why not sell Sterling and buy Son Heung-min for the same amount of money? Um, <clears throat> now, I, I've talked about this this week, and I said if someone offered enough money, I'd, I'm quite happy to let Sterling go, mostly. Uh, but like, the but thing, would, you, would you do a financial straight swap for Sterling no, and Son straight swap, min Not straight swap. Uh, because Sterling is 26 years old. Uh, Huming Song is 29, I think. Um, is he that old? Yeah, you, you, you'd be surprised. You know, he's knocking on. He's not that young. He's 28, sorry, but he'll be 29 in a month. 
sorry. So be 29 before the start of next season. That's how I look at things. Um, so, um, yeah, he's actually 28. Uh, July 1992. Yeah, but he'll be 29 in, in July, 8th of July. Yeah. Yes, you know? yes. Uh, he was born in what Chun Chun Si. Anyway, uh, let's not let's not <laughs> tell you what I know about Sun Young uh, Min. But the, the problem is he's he, so the age is against him. Sterling's got three three years on his side. Sterling still for me has that potential. He still has a higher ceiling, and I think why people don't want one of the reasons they don't want to sell him and why we're reluctant is if he plays like the Raheem Sterling from the. Centurion season or the formidable season, then that's a Raheem Sterling you want back. 29 league goals and assists in the Centurion season. 27 league goals and assists in the formidable season. 21 the following season. And last season, um, I think, was his worst uh, since um, in, in the last four seasons, since we've, been, since we've been pretty good. That's his worst season. Um, uh, this current season, I'm just trying to pull up his numbers. I mean, I, I've said many times, people have, have falsely looked at the stats and, uh, and 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 taken the wrong thing from them. I've said many times, last season he scored 20 goals, and people talk about the goals he scored and say how wonderful uh, and everything else that was. And I say, and I say, hang on, you go back to 2018-19 when we were Centurions, he scored 17 goals that season. In 34 games, one every two. Okay, that's so. That's the 2018-19. That was the um, formidable season. The season before, he's got 18 goals in 33 games, better than one in two. Great return. Okay, the season where Liverpool won the title, he's got 20 goals, and people talk about the 20 goals, but he only got one assist. He only got one assist, and I've said that many times. <laughs> and I think that's really, really important. And this season, he's got 10 goals, seven assists. <laughs> 31 games. It's not a great return. So if you look at his goals and assists, he's gone from 29 to 27 to 21 to 17. Okay? It is dropping. Yes, we haven't scored as many goals this season, but last season I think we still scored 100 goals So as a team in the league. So his numbers aren't as, as good. And I think somebody, and, and this is the problem with looking at stats and, and, and listening to people. I heard somebody on the radio talking about a fan rang him and said, because City are playing without a recognised number nine or a ten. We're playing with this false nine. Sterling's got no one to pass it to. That's why he's not getting as many assists. But the thing is, I wanted to smash my radio at that point. Last season, we, we played with Aguero up front for most of the season, or, or Gabriel Jesus. So we did play with a recognised nine or ten. Sterling got one assist. So to me, that shows some, somebody who's not contributing as much to the team. And I think that's the issue. So would I be happy to let him go? For the right money, I would. Uh, he's still got that high ceiling. You know, he's still in bounces back to what it was like two or three years ago. He's a great player to have. And it's picking the moment. It's deciding, will he bounce back or is he on the slide? You know, there are players who look great for several seasons and in the mid to late 20s suddenly are on the slide and never bounce back. And, um, you know, do you keep them for too, too long or do you take the money? If someone offered me £100 million for Sterling, I'd say thank you very much. Um, I'll drive him to the airport myself. I'd carry him on my back at that price. Well, so Son, I'd like Son in the side. He's a, he's a great player. Um, but if he was to come up to Manchester, I'd want a bit of money as well uh, coming up to Manchester. I, I don't think, I think he's uh, right now, for me, Son is a £15 million player. He doesn't always turn up in some of the big games. That's a concern. Um, but I think Sterling's still worth double what Son is. So, 
simply because of that ceiling and the age of the two players. Well, Ray, the next question that we have for you is another listener question. And they're asking, what did you think of Chairman Khaldun's end-of-season statement? Honestly, I never listened to a single second of that statement. Not a really? single really, second. Really? You didn't watch that no. at all? Nope, not interested. I've watched, I've, I've watched everyone that he's done in the past. I, I used to watch, uh, people know, I used to watch tons of stuff on, on City. I'm not have as bothered you, have anymore. You just, have you just lost your patience with PR guff? It's, well, there's, there's a lot of things, Mike. There's a lot of things. Um, some people said they've lost their love of football by not going for so long. Some of them have said, still like football, but I find other things to do. You know, people have said, well, by not going to games, I saved myself thousands of pounds this year by not going to games. Um, especially, you know, going to the away games where tickets might not be expensive, but you've got to pay for travel and sometimes hotels or whatever. Are you saying that you were not inspired by our leader talking about what he's going to do? No, no, no. because I'll be quite honest, I'm, as with some other long-term fans, annoyed with the club. And that's putting it politely. I'm trying to keep it clean, Mike. Yeah, tell me what you're annoyed with. This, Well, these things that have gone on and, you know, Falling out of love with football is probably not the right thing for, for, for me anyway. I know other people have. I've interviewed people who were not happy um, with, with that. I, I've interviewed people who, who were not happy with the way tickets were distributed. Yeah, right. I think a, lot, a lot of people have been tuned in to what you and also Colin have been posting on Twitter about ticketing. What is what is your issue with that? Okay. I mean, I interviewed somebody from the 9320 group. I didn't put the uh, video out because I just – I remember t- – I, I, telling him early on the issue is if you're going against the grain you're going to get a lot of stick if people if you're saying things that people don't like um you're going to get a lot of stick and i i, I just don't want want that stick um for him or for me but he, you know i think what grated him uh was for the everton game ten thousand tickets to home game last game of the season um and they did it on a ballot but they ring fence some tickets first. So they give some tickets to seasonal hospitality. I've all I've I've ranted about that that before, where I believe seasonal hospitality people get twice the proportion of ticket tickets that they are entitled to. They give some tickets to seasonal hospitality. We don't know how many. And they kept some tickets for, for match day citizen match day where are the people who buy tickets just one offs. They're not season card holders. They also siphoned off, I think, to Tickets for anybody with 22,000 ticket points or more. And I think this is the issue. So ticket points, they used to be called loyalty points. The so what's, the, what's the point of having a platinum card? Oh, my, don't set me off. Don't set me off. The, the point of the, okay, the platinum card was introduced. It's when you buy a season card, you pay an extra £50 for the platinum card. What that does is double your points. So for every game you go to, you get points. If you go to a home game, I think you get 10 points. Okay, so if you get a season card, you get 190 points, 19 home league games. Okay, so I know people who said, I've been going to City for 40 years. I've had a season card for 40 years at home, but I don't go to away games. I don't get platinum and I don't go to cup games. And I didn't get a ticket in the ballot. Okay, they're unhappy. For me, if if this City had said, what we're going to do, we're going to give the tickets based upon how long you've continuously held a season card. I think that's a fair way to do it. So whatever way you do, people are not going to be happy with everything that goes on. But I thought 
thought that's rewarding loyalty. The ticket points used, I think they used to be called loyalty points, but they're not loyalty points. The, the problem with, 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 with the system is, so you, the platinum was introduced for people who was just going on their journey, just getting on the ladder. And you cannot catch up to the people who are, you know, who have got 10 or 15,000 points and you start with zero. So it's an opportunity to, in effect, buy points, buy loyalty. So, as I said, if you go to, um, if you get a season card and you pay the extra 50 pounds, you'll get 380 points instead of 190. Okay. You're uh-huh. buying loyalty. Then, there are other ways to buy loyalty. For every cup competition we have, the League Cup, the FA Cup, and the European competition, now it's a Champions League for us, if you buy the cup scheme, if you join the cup scheme, you get 200 points. Now, the cup scheme means you are obligated. You have to purchase the tickets for the home games. Okay? So, if you buy the League, uh, let's say you buy the Champions League, uh, you're on the Champions League cup scheme, you have to buy all tickets for home games so if we get to a final in a season where you're going to you're allowed to go to games you're going to go pay for the three home games in the in the group stages the three home games in the knockout stages so you you are obligated to buy the six tickets and for that you get 200 points so you get extra points for, do, for doing this and obviously if you get to the final you are higher up in the queue you're higher in the queue than somebody who's not on the cup scheme so tickets go to people on the cup scheme first then anybody else okay so people are buying loyalty. So if you get on all three cup schemes, you get a, a, a season card and you play for platinum, you get 980 points. If you just get a season card and no platinum and don't go on the cup schemes, you get 190 points. Okay. So it'll take you five years to get as many and still not get as many as somebody can get in one year for, for basically for money. Just because they have more money than you, they're getting the points. And I think that's that's the anger amongst fans. And also, you cannot catch the people at the top simply because you can go to as many games as you can. The away games you can't go to because they're restricted to the people who have the most points. There's a few games that you can go to because um, and, 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 and they're also restricted by the uh, amount of the tickets, the allocation we get from opposition teams. If you go to someone like Bournemouth, Bournemouth have a, a capacity of about 11,000 people, 11,000 fans. We, all, we would be lucky to get more than 1,000 tickets for that or 1,200 tickets. You go to a bigger uh, a ground that like Man United or Liverpool, we might get 3,000 tickets, let's say, for the away game. Um, so it is restricted. So it's and it's the people who got the most points or supporters clubs or whatever. So if you join the um, platinum, you pay your fifty pounds. You will never catch somebody who's got fifteen thousand points because guess what? They're going to all the same games as you, and unless they don't go to games and you do, you can't catch them. So they're actually pulling away, and it's it's a con. There's there's no better way of, to. Uh, of putting it it's a con and people feel the people at the top of the tree keep paying the 50 pounds to stay at the top of the tree not to let anybody near them catch them and overtake them and the people at the bottom are fooled we're gullible we're fooled into thinking by paying our extra 50 pounds we will catch those other people. we won't it can't happen and at the last the last one 13,000 people paid for platinum the club got 650,000 pounds for platinum and they know it's wrong. That angers me. It's not fair. They know it's wrong, that system. But it's a way they get £650,000. The 
season cards are up for renewal now and they're still pushing this platinum out there so that people can get think they can you can't catch up guys especially if you're bottom of the tree it might you might catch up a little bit you'll catch up the people who are not on platinum who might have been going for 40 years but season cards and points have only been going since about 2003 since we moved to the new stadium um you can catch people who uh, who have been going for 30 years uh, who've had a season card for 30 years yes you can catch them because they're not getting all these extra points that's not fair you're as 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 the Andy Savage was the guy's name from the 9320 group. He said, you're buying loyalty, and that doesn't seem fair. So that's the background to this, buying loyalty. Somebody who's been going for 40 years to all the home games, they're loyal supporters. Why should somebody who's been going to away games, okay, because they can, either because they've got the points or they can afford it, why should they, their loyalty mean more? Why are they buying loyalty? And this is a home game. I said, why should the points that you've accumulated from going to away games affect what happens in a home game? I didn't like the. I, I said, if you're going to do a ballot, do it across everybody. Don't don't ring fence some tickets for certain groups, which is what they did, which is why some people aren't happy. The problem is most people either don't know or don't understand or don't care. But I said two or three years ago, the way the club was going, they will do things that will affect ticket uh, tickets that will hurt the fans and it'll hurt some fans not everybody you know the guys who are on 22,000 points it's not hurt them they've benefited from this but the the guy said I'm on 21,000 points I didn't get a ticket he was gutted for being on 21,000 points didn't get a ticket and then there's also this we don't know this there's lots of things we don't know how many tickets went to season um, to hospitality and someone said to me well if you're paying if you're paying 10,000 pounds a year We'd expect you to get tickets. There is an argument that some ex-players didn't get tickets and that's the justification. But someone said, repeated, if you're paying £10,000 a year as opposed to someone else who's paying £325 a year, who, you know, if you want a ticket and you're paying £10,000 a year, they believe you're going to get a ticket. The club are open and transparent about this. Um, and, and so we, we, just, we just don't know how many tickets actually went in the ballot. Um, and there seems to be and it's just anecdotal here. There seems to be a high proportion of households where everybody managed to get a ticket. So I, I noticed this when a few of my friends, man and wife or partners or whatever, um, they got tickets together. And you think, well, you know, lucky you. And then you hear of people where there's three people in a household getting tickets. And you think, and you think what's the likelihood of that? What's the probability of three people in, the, in a household independently getting a ticket um, as opposed to one person, and you tr I tried to work the, the numbers out, and it's just rough and ready. You know, and I said, if there's 35,000 season card holders who wanted tickets, and there was 7,000 tickets to go, you've got a one in five chance if it's all done, uh, dip, you know, uh, look at the draw. So the chance of two people from the same household is about one in 25. The chances of three is one in 125. And the chances of four people from the same household, let's say two parents and two kids getting a ticket, is one in 625. Uh, it, wow. it's, it's much more remote. Then how did regularly two and th twos and threes get tickets? Now, I'm, it's just a supposition. It's just something that popped into my head. This club won't tell you this information. They're not going to divulge. They're not going to turn around and say, well, actually, we were giving the tickets. Uh, we had a preference for people who's, who were in twos and threes and fours because that makes our life easier. We don't know this. I, it, might, it might be just barking up the wrong tree. But 
So some people are just not happy with the way things were done. Then the you know then people got stung, not stung. Uh, the Champions League final, people weren't happy with the way tickets were allocated there. I don't have as much of an issue with that. Uh, as soon as Sheikh Mansour said, uh, "I'll cover the flights for, for for fans," I thought I'd be lucky to get a ticket. I've got a decent number of points, eleven and a half thousand points, which I think is quite a, a good number. But I knew, and I had I had no problem with that. I said. Good luck to the fans because there would have been, I think, thousands of fans, you know, maybe a couple of thousand fans who would have liked to have gone, who couldn't go, who wouldn't have gone if they had to pay all the money themselves. The tickets weren't cheap. The cheapest were 60 euros. And then we don't know how many tickets were at 60 euros. You were for making their money. And they went all the way up to 515. So people were paying a lot of money to get a ticket. They had no choice. Then if you had to travel yourself, you'd be paying three or four hundred pounds for tickets to, to fly there. Then you have to pay for all the tests, the COVID tests. Someone could be easily spending a thousand pounds and they might not have been able to afford it. When Sheikh Mansour said, I'll pay for the flights or I'll cover the flights, we'll send our own planes. People would have been able to go who would not have otherwise afforded it. So I I, I, I have no problem with that. I've, I've said good luck to them, you know, and, and um, they benefited from this. It's gone against me, but I have no issues with that. People think it costs Sheikh Mansour millions to do that. It hasn't. We had a few people complain that they'd already got tickets um, for flights and hotels and stuff. And then he put this gesture out. I say be happy for the fans who wouldn't have been able to go if he hadn't done this. Um, but, you know, be be happy for them. It's not cost Sheikh Mansour millions. It, I reckon it's cost him a few hundred thousand pounds. That's all. Which I reckon it's cost him less than they made from the blooming uh, platinum. So it's not a it's a great gesture, but he, he wouldn't have if you if you think about it, he didn't pay for six thousand tickets. We had an allocation of five thousand eight hundred and fifty. He would have paid for a few thousand, let's say three thousand tickets for argument's sake. He's not paying the full price that you'd pay at the uh, uh, with the travel agent because they're his planes. So you know, I reckon it's cost less. It would cost him about half a million pounds. Still mm-hmm. good of him to do it, but it's not the as people think three, four, five million that they think it's cost him, it's cost him about, I reckon, half a million. And it's less than what then come from us in platinum. So that's all the, the backstory. Yeah, it's a bit of a rant, but it's been going on for years. The club know about it. They don't care about it. They're mugging off the fans. And the fans are gullible enough to, to pay for it. It's as simple as that. Well, Ray, um, if only we had someone on the City Matters Committee who would raise these issues. <laughs> Um, we'll 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 get comment, uh, Colin's comments on, on the next pod. Uh, but the next thing I wanted to ask you about uh, Ray was uh, rail seating because yep. we saw the images uh, this week where they were ripping out um, the yep. uh, the seating and they were preparing for the rail seating. What are your thoughts about that? Um, yeah, look, it, it's it's good. It's about you know it's going to happen. Obviously, people who may not be aware. Um, after Hillsborough, where sadly 96 fans lost their lives uh, going to a football match, um, we moved towards all seater stadium. Um, and but people still like the idea of standing, so the, the real seating is kind of in between. In, in, in some games, where in, in, where in some competitions, you have to have seats, there it's a seat. Um, well, would you prefer to be? Uh, seated, or would you prefer with you and your sons to be at a rail seat? Well, the, well, the rail seat is either it's it's one of either you're either sat there or you're standing. 
Yeah. So the, the so real thing is you can whether you whether you perch on the. I, I don't know how it works, Mike, uh, at the moment. But I want to explain what a real seating is. So we we went to all seater stadia. Real seating you do find in some uh, stadiums around Europe. I think some in Germany have real seating. But in some competitions, you have to have seats. And the whole purpose of this rail seating is it's, the seat can either be a seat or they can do away with the seat. And so it's like a, a, in the terraces, that, uh, similar to the terraces of, of, of days gone by where you're standing up. You can't, uh, this, you can't have a, a, this, it can't be a seat and uh, a standing position. It's, it's one or the other for a game. Some competitions you have to have seats. And some competitions you can have standing up. So I think that's that's the thing. Um, look, I'm in my fifties now. I'm I'm probably going to sit down. I do. You know, most a lot of fans stand up for most of the games, but I do like the option to to sit down because it is it is difficult to stand up for an hour and a half to two two hours of a game. You know, including half time and including get there before the game starts. You standing up for two hours. You know, it, it does take its toll. So sometimes it is nice to sit down. Um, look, it, it's good to have that option. It's good. Now, to have that the rail seating there, Spurs, for instance, have got rail seating at their ground. It's all seats at the moment because there's no standing allowed. Um, but it's easily converted, uh, you know, a half a day or something, or I don't know how long it takes to convert the, the seats from seats to standing uh, in, on terraces. But I, I think it's a positive um, move and it's a good move. Mm-hmm. OK, well, listen, let's move on to another subject, Ray. Um, there's been quite a seismic uh, shift of opinion uh, in Manchester City supporters' uh, re- uh, ideas of replacing uh, Sergio Aguero. Apparently, the number one guy is uh, someone we touched on earlier on, Harry Kane. Now, we've got um, a lot of reports, a lot of reports, uh, in that uh, Harry Kane is the preferred choice by the City uh management team to replace uh, Aguero and I thought it, it would be uh, timely I guess if you would give your thoughts on that because it, 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 it's a big change um, and obviously he's a, a skilled player he obviously uh, is pretty much uh, near the top of the goal scoring charts uh, every uh, year a lot of people are angry with him because of that particular foul he does where he yeah. like upends people in the air. He's always been taught to do that by Jose Mourinho. Um, but um, I think yeah. he was doing that. I think he was doing that before Mourinho. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, wanted to, to, to ask you to give your thoughts about Harry Kane. Okay. Let's get rid of some of the myths about Harry Kane. Okay. There's a myth that he's perpetually injured. He's, he's a, he's injury prone. If you look at his last seven seasons, okay, I mean this season he's played thirty-five league games. I'm much, I'm just going to look at league games. If you look at his last seven seasons, okay, he had a season last season, not the one that's just finished, where he played twenty-nine games. The one before was twenty-eight. Before that, he played thirty-seven, okay, thirty-seven times. Before that, he played thirty times. Before that, he played thirty-eight times. That's every single game. The season before that. 34 times. If you get the picture that he's played a lot of games, okay? So ever since he made that breakthrough, he's pretty much, um, been, he, the, the fewest number of games is 28. Yes, he has been injured. There's no question about that. But he's also been overplayed because Spurs needed him. So maybe at times when he needed a rest, he didn't get it. 
you know, and he's ended up playing a game that he, sh- he shouldn't have played and got injured. We don't know, you know, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. But he's averaged over the last seven seasons 33 league games a season. He's missing about five league games a season. To me, that's not a guy who spends most of his time on the, on the treatment table. You know, yes, he's a, he, he, he can have one or two injuries a season, but if you're playing as many games as he is, if you're getting battered around by defenders and midfielders as much as he is, you're going to get hurt and you're going to miss a few games. So I have no issues with his injuries. Look at his goals and assists. People say he can't adapt to, to our system or it's wrong for him. He's got 23 league goals, top of the charts in league goals. He's getting two league goals every three games. Assists. He's got 14 assists this season as well. He's topped that chart as well. So he's got 37 goals and assists in 35 games. That's Kevin De Bruyne territory. When Kevin De Bruyne, uh, the other season, when he got 20 assists and 13 goals, that's 33. That's a, a goal and assist per game. Kane is getting more, not by much, but he's getting more goals and assists per game. He scores more penalties. Oh, he's yeah. very he's good on penalties. Okay, he's taller, so he, he's and he's, he's good in the air. He scores more goals in in the air as well. Now, I would humbly suggest if Kane was playing for City and played thirty five times, he'd get more than twenty three goals in a City side. Oh. I think he'll get goals from penalties. He'll get half a dozen goals a season from penalties. He'll get a few more goals in the air, and he'll get the tap ins and some longer range. You, you, you think, think he, you think he's comparable with Lewandowski, Ray? Um, why not? He, I, is he as good? It's hard to say. You know, we're only going on our eyes and, eyes and stats. Lewandowski scores a lot more goals, but he's playing in a Bayern Munich side. That gives him more chances. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I have no problems with Harry Kane because I think he's a lethal goal scorer who is creating, you know, not only... I mean, let's look at this season for Spurs. He scored 16 goals with his right foot, three goals with his left foot, four-headed goals, Four penalties, no free kicks. Okay, his shooting accuracy is all—it's thirty-nine percent. He hit the woodwork nine times. He missed thirteen big chances, and he created fourteen big chances. So I think overall, I have no problem with Harry Kane coming to City. I think he'll do really well. People still obviously want um, Haaland. Haaland is going to cost a lot of money. Kane is going to cost a lot of money. But here's the thing: Kane, two or three games before the end of the season. It came out that Kane wanted to leave. He did an interview with Gary Neville talking yeah, about. A lot of the Spurs fans were really pissed off with that. He's yeah. made it clear that he wants to leave. He, and he did that before the end of the season. There's a reason he's done that before the end of the season, partly because he wants to say goodbye to the Spurs fans and partly wants to get the, the ball moving. Now, I have no doubt, I've got no proof, I've got no doubt that his agent has talked to City and City have talked to him, his agent. No doubt that money's not an issue between the two or three parties there. That's not an issue, uh, green terms. Kane wants to win something. There have been, since the last time Spurs won a trophy, I think, I, I can't remember the number of players who have left Spurs and won. Yeah, was that Bande Ramos in the League Cup, like, in the in like 20 years ago? Yeah, um, no, they, won, they, they haven't won a, 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 a cup for about 15, 16, 13, 14 yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah, and since then you've got players like Carl Walker who's come to Man City and in the four years he's been at Man City Carl Walker's won four Carabao Cups three Premier League titles and an FA Cup he's got eight major trophies Kane got nothing Yeah, people who have left Spurs all sorts I, mean, I, I can't rattle them off now but 
you know, kids who have left have won trophies. Luka Modric has gone to Real Madrid and won a stack of trophies. Gareth Bale has gone to Real Madrid and won a stack of trophies. I can't remember who it was. It was a player in the Villa Real side that beat Man United in the Champions in the Europa League final, who was an ex-Pers player. So lots of people have left and won stuff. And Kane hasn't won anything. And as we said, he's knocking on. You know, Son is 28. I think Kane is 27. So, you know, how long has Kane got left uh, at the top level? He's 27. His birthday is in July as well. So he'll be 28 this summer. If he stays at Spurs, how long has he got left? He didn't win the League Cup at Spurs. They had the opportunity to win the final. They were in the Champions League final the uh, season before. When Liverpool won it, he didn't win that either. So he's probably looking at it. He's given Spurs uh, everything. And he uh, 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 apparently believes he had his, uh, he has a gentleman's agreement with Daniel Levy. Now, some might say Daniel Levy is not a gentleman, but he apparently has a gentleman's agreement with Daniel Levy that he can leave this summer. Ray, now, how much, do, how much just did he have to pay to get to get to him? No, no. Look, two years ago, Levy would have asked for two hundred million, and I think he'd have been within his rights to do so. Now, with COVID, no one's going to pay that sort of money. Um, He'll still want 150. I, City won't pay that. 120. I'm not. I don't know. I don't know what City will go to. Um, and it and it depends what Harry Kane doesn't want to go on strike. Harry Kane doesn't want a, an issue. Harry. It's like Messi last season. You know he doesn't want to do anything against his club. And it might be that he needs to uh, issue a formal transfer request. I think by saying he wants to leave, by doing it like this, and saying he had a gentleman's agreement, he's hoping not to have to do that go down the route of issuing a formal transfer request. Same as Messi last summer. He didn't want to take Barcelona to court to come to City. He wanted to come. We all know that. But he didn't want to take that final step. And maybe Levy will rely on the fact that Harry Kane won't ask for uh, a tra- putting a transfer request officially. So, But I think that's why Harry Kane has let this news out early so that uh, to prepare everybody, Spurs fans and Levy and City, to get together and sort it out um, and then after the Euros, he wants to move and sign. Mm-hmm. All right, Ray, let, <clears throat> let me just uh, take you through the other uh, transfer rumours. Um, the, the, well, the first one is not really uh, a transfer rumour, but it's Kylian Mbappe, who yeah. has been out on uh, social media uh, calling Kyle Walker that tank. He says um, there are... Also, players less explosive from a standing start, like Kyle Walker at Man City. But he's mm. like a tank. Once he hits his speed, he gets onto it. You reckon um, with this one, uh, Kyle Walker's got another couple of years at City? It's a funny one. It's a funny one. When KDB wasn't playing for City and, and um, uh, Concello was playing right back, Concello was very creative. And City fans were saying, Kyle Walker's finished. He's 30 years old. Um, and uh, Concello was defending reason, uh, pretty well, actually, and attacking incredibly well. Okay, And I was one that said, if, if Concello carries on like this, well, Walker's finished at City. There's, 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 he, there's no way he can continue. And he's 31 now. He's just turned 31, actually, uh, uh, two weeks ago. So... I was thinking his, his, his time's coming to an end. Uh, but since KDB's come back, can, you know, if you, if people don't know what I've been on about uh, Concello not being as good with KDB in the team. Uh, KDB takes his space um, and he's ineffective. And then Concello's dropped off and Walker's come back and he's, he's reclaimed his first team spot. 
So, yeah, I, I don't think he'll lose his pace. I think he'll still be there for another probably two or three years. Um, there are, I've always said there are issues with his concentration, and that's my issue with Kyle Walker. You know, his pace and physicality and strength get him out of trouble. But, you know, we've seen from some of the penalties he's given away this season, a couple of bad ones. Um, um, and we've seen some of his lack of concentration against Lyon off the top of my head and, and other games um, against Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final the other season. He switches off and, you know, a top, top, top player doesn't do that. All right. Well, let's move on and uh, let's have your comments. I'm, I'm sure you're going to give me short shrift on some of them, uh, like the next one. Um, the next one says, uh, uh, Manchester City weighing up Declan Rice no, bit. And, uh, I, I, I personally, I, I, did, I don't see that. But um, I don't mind. Part of me doesn't mind because it's another homegrown player. It's nice to get more homegrown players. And can you imagine getting more and more of the England? Can you imagine if City ended up with a team that had Stones, Walker, Declan Rice, Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Raheem Sterling, six England players? It's, oh, it's good. Okay, so Ray, the next one that we've got for you to uh, approve or uh, pour scorn on is uh, Kiernan Tierney, Tierney at Arsenal as uh, City. No, he's, he's negotiating. He's, I think has he just signed a new contract or is nego- negotiating a new contract? I, I, I honestly don't see. Um, no, I, I just don't see it. I don't see him coming if he's uh, negotiating a new contract. Oh, okay. All right, so the next thing, Ray, is that... Um, In fact, I'm, I'm right. I'm just looking at, at, at today's newspapers and from yesterday. It is Kieran Tierney set for Arsenal leadership role. Um, Arsenal and Kieran Tierney talks. Uh, Arsenal open contract talks. So I think he's going to stay at Arsenal. OK, so uh, the next one is from our friend Duncan Castles, <laughs> who says that Bernardo Silva wants to leave Man City and has offers from Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. What do you think? I, I've no doubt that Atletico Madrid and Barcelona covet someone as good as Bernardo Silva. Why would Bernardo Silva want to leave when he's had a, 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 a good season, in, in my opinion? Where well, Duncan is saying that um, <clears throat> Atletico want to swap him with Saul um, Niguez. Well, look, you've got to remember uh, that all these people who live off things like transfer rumours and their podcasts that they have, um, they need to, if, if you don't have stories coming out, then who's going to listen to what you got to say? Um, and I've no doubt that sometimes people do have a little bit of information, okay, uh, about some hey, players. Hey, no, but not many. Say, the rest Duncan, of it has to be made up. Duncan is saying that uh, the reason why that they are pushing that story is because that would make room for Grealish. And that if Bernardo didn't leave, then Grealish would not have a spot in the team. Look, it's it's plausible, yeah? And if you want to make up stories, you know, and if, so you, 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 people, look, we don't know how much truth there is in this. People look for all sorts of angles, and that's a, a, a plausible story to say, look, if Jack Grealish comes, won't you have too many players? Well, who, who might be able to push out? And then you, you go down and say, right, we'll push out Bernardo, uh, we'll get Sol Niguez or push him out and sell it. You know, it has a knock-on. So so somebody, if, if you've got something to sell, if you've got some clickbait, it's easy to think, right, I just say, I want Grealish. Okay, and that's it. Whereas somebody else who's a bit more um, commercial might say, 
okay, yes, everybody knows Grealish, but let's. How do we get people listening to our podcast or reading our reports or clicking on our links? Let's say someone's leaving. Say someone wants to leave. It, look, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Bernardo Silva, uh, you know, doesn't get up in the morning and say, right, I need to ring up Duncan Castles before I tell anybody what I'm going to do, or how unhappy I am, or happy I am. I need to ring Duncan first and let him know. I don't think that happens, you know. So I will say this: Bernardo's been here four years. Okay, he's 26. He'll be 27 in August, so he's still not too old. His game time is a bit up and down. First season, he had 53 appearances for City. He was our I think in the league, he played the most number of times, although he had a lot of sub-appearances. Second season at City, 51. Third season, 52. This season, 45. But last season, I don't think he was brilliant at all, even though he played 52 times. This season, I think he's played much better. He's back towards his best. So I'm I'm just puzzled why we would let him go. You know, there was that start going before the Champions League final when Bernardo Silva and Foden played together, when they both start. City win almost every single game. Why would we want to get rid of that? I don't understand that. He's full of energy, and I think he contributes so much to us. I don't want to see him go, and I don't think Pep does either, and I don't think Bernardo Silva does either. Yeah, so, Ray, we're, we're uh, just to clarify to the listeners, we're just asking Ray to comment on speculation, and um, um, you can expect that um, uh, Ray will give you his uh, honest opinion on that. Um, the next thing uh, on our agenda, Ray, is is the Erling Haaland uh, stuff uh, dead? Because we have another uh, report here that uh, City are willing to uh, spend 110 million to buy him instead of Harry Kane. Uh, well, who knows what you know what will happen? Well, look, but we'll 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 give you Ray's opinion quickly. Uh, Erling Haaland. Very, very expensive, incredible talent. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if he doesn't suit people, think he doesn't suit us. Uh, a guy who scores that many goals suits any team, he'll, he'll suit any style, in my opinion. Issue is going to be money. You know, City don't want to pay his agent 20 million, they don't want to pay his dad 20 million, they don't want to pay Dortmund 120 million. You know, that's already 160, and they don't want to pay this kid, uh, I don't think, 400,000 pounds a week. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 a heck of a deal. If you go and get him on a four hundred thousand pounds a week, let's say it's twenty million a year, or on a six-year contract, that's one hundred and twenty million. The whole package is three hundred million pounds. That's a heck of a lot of money. Um, I don't think City want to go that far. I think they're happy to pay around one hundred million, one hundred and twenty million, but not when you when you get up to one hundred and fifty to two hundred. Uh, I don't think they'll go that far. Okay, we're not going to bother Ray too much more because we're coming to the end now. But we're going to give him um, just uh, one or two uh, words and ask him to give his opinion. Uh, Ray, uh, one thing that uh, City uh, fans, certainly the Bolt from the Blue uh, fans are asking for, is Nuno Mendes. What do you know about this guy? Nuno Mendes is uh, playing left back for. Um, let me remember now. Uh, Sporting, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, now, I did, a while ago, I did uh, an interview with, he's Ameri- an American chat book from um, Portugal called Scott Martin. He's a, a coach, he's an author, he's an analyst. Um, and he, I remember he, he, he did a book on um, Zidane and Real Madrid this uh, this year. And I was talking to him, not about Nuno Mendes, 
but about a player from City who was playing um, for uh, Sporting, uh, Sporting Lisbon uh, in, in Portugal. And that was a kid called Pedro Porro. We were talking, of, you know, the video was about Pedro Porro, but Nuno, Nuno Mendes came up in discussion. And Scott Martin was singing his praises. But the thing is, he's only 18 years old. Okay, okay, next week he'll be 19. But he's still only, he's still young. Okay, he's only had one proper season at this level. He's played 29 league games this season in Portugal. Last season he only played nine, he only played nine times. Uh, in the full season he's played 35 times, uh, this Nuno Mendes. Um, but talking to Scott, he, Scott thinks he's a wonderful player. He thinks he's, it's too soon for a move to City to, to be number one. Um, the things that spring into my mind, he's he's played for Portugal, which is in, which actually is really important. He's played international football because he, he'll need a work permit, even though he's 18, 19 years old. I think you, you still need a work permit and playing for the national team uh, will certainly make that difference. Um, Sporting don't want to let him go, which is understandable because he's a great fullback. And if they were going to sell him, they're looking for a big chunk of money. Which I think Scott was talking 50 or 60 million euros or more. So I think the way to get around that is using um, Pedro Porro as I, I don't know the full story with Pedro Porro. Pedro's had a great season with them as well. Um, he's on loan from City. I don't know if there's a, an agreement uh, where they can pay a certain amount of money to get him on a, uh, on, a, on a permanent deal, but they want him. So, you know, Sporting also know that. If Nuno Mendes keeps improving, they're not going to keep him. Someone's going to come in with a, a big sack of money, and Mendes will want to leave as well to go and, you know, let's say make his fortune and win big, big trophies. Um, so it might be that City do a deal that we say, right, you can have uh, Pedro Porro for twenty million. You wanted fifty million for the other guy. We'll give you thirty million, and, and, and you know, and that makes it a doable deal. Uh, I don't think City want to pay fifty or sixty million for a kid without. Okay something going the other way. Okay, guys, just two, uh, two more items and then we're done. Uh, Ray, uh, Jack Gunn, who is uh, one of the foremost um, uh, city, foot, uh, not Manchester City, but football reporters in England, has said that uh, City are planning to raise a 70 million, at least 70 million for uh, player sales uh, this season. Uh, let me just take you through his um, index. He says Jack Harrison will go uh, from uh, uh, Leeds United, a uh, uh, two Leeds United for thirteen million. He says yes. Pedro Pedro Porro will uh, go for fifteen million. Yeah. He says Lucas Nemecha will go to Sporting Lisbon for fifteen million. He says Yangel yeah. Herrera. Uh, well, yeah. There's a host of clubs um, who are willing to pay twenty million. Yes. He says that someone called Ivan Ilic uh, will go yeah. for fifteen million. Uh, and um, that does not include uh, certain players that he thinks that City may be willing to sell, and they include Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, Ilkay Gundogan, and Riyad Mahrez. And uh, that is how Jack Gone thinks that yeah. City are going to finance their summer spending. Ray, what do you think about no. all of that? Uh, well, my... Uh... Quick answer is balls, balls to all that. Uh, there's no way City are going to sell four players. I, I, uh, of of your list is Riyad Mahrez, first team player, Bernardo Silva, first team player, Raheem Sterling, 
Yeah. Pep still wants him in the first team. And who else was there? Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus. Okay, he's not first team player. The easy ones to, to pick on. Okay, easy so, ones. What he's talking about, I, I, I don't think those are serious, Ray. But I think the ones like... The others are. Yangel Herrera, Lucas Nemecha, Pedro Porro, Jack Harrison. That, that, that could be, there could be something in those, though. Okay. I'll, I'll quickly, I'll go to a name, then you throw the next one at me. Jack okay. Harrison, he's been at Leeds for three years, four yep. years. Yeah, he was at Leeds. They didn't get promoted. It, there was talk of a fifteen million pounds uh, purchase price after the first loan spell uh, at Leeds when they didn't get promoted. Then the second season they got promoted. City still wanted the money. Leeds did a, gr- a great bit of business by not doing it. So he's been with uh, Leeds for three years. Thirteen million fifty. Somewhere between 10 and 50 million is reasonable. I think it's in the loan agreement, which is why a lot of City players who are on loan go for low fees if they go into the club that's had them on loan because it's part of the loan agreement. That's why Angelino went for about 18 million euros when I think he's worth at least 30. All right. right. Next, so next, that's right. Next one, Pedro Porro to Sporting Lisbon for 15 million. Well, he's there at the moment. I know uh, from uh, talking about Nuno Mendes, Sporting wants him. Seems like a decent price. Let's hope we can get Nuno Mendes coming the other way. Next one, Lucas Nemecha, also to Sporting Lisbon, uh, £15 million. Lucas Nemecha's had a great season at Anderlecht. He's, he struggled. I mean, let's be honest, he struggled in the past. He struggled on loan to places like Sunderland, off the top of my head. He was at Wolfsburg, didn't uh, do anything there. And But this move to Anderlecht has really revitalised him. Um, he's, he's looking great, actually. Uh, and people are talking about him coming back to City. I said he'll never come back to City. His brother's supposed to be better, and he's he's not good enough. And um, you know he might flourish to be a, a great player. You know some people develop a little bit later. They have a stat, you know, uh, a static period in their career. Maybe he's had that. Fifteen million. Yeah, sounds reasonable. Next uh, final two: Yangel Herrera, um, uh, interest from Crystal Palace, Southampton, West Ham. Atletico Madrid, Valencia, and Villarreal for twenty million. Yeah, I don't think there's a problem with that. I think he might, since he might even be able to push for more. I think he's had a great season. Um, he's had a great season on loan. I mean, it, I'll just briefly say, City get a lot of players um, um, in the academy, and they might not even be turning up to play for City. Uh, they might never do that, but they're um, valuable. They send them out on loan. And then they sell them on and make big money. Now he's, I remember when he went to, he came from Venezuela, came to City. Straight away, we sent him out on loan to New York City at one of our sister clubs. Then he, he was there for about a couple of years. Then he went to La Liga side, Huesca. I'm sorry if I can't say that right, correctly. And it's his loan at Granada that's made him stand out. He's had two years at Granada, um, played 62 times, five goals. He's, uh, in the full Venezuela national team uh, and put in some really good appearances at 20 million. I think that's a steal for uh, Angel Herrera and Ivan Illich, Ivan Illich. Now he's been playing for Hellas Verona. (laughs) I'm not sure many people who know Hellas, who Hellas Verona are. They're an Italian team based in Verona. It's got nothing to do with Greece because people might think Hellas is to do with Greece. No, it's, he's playing for, um, Verona in Syria. They're quoting fifteen million for this guy. I think that's good. I think that's good money. I think that's good money. We bought him, Ivan Illich, um, from. Bum, 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 bum. We brought him from Red Star Belgrade in 2017. 
Okay, we left him there for a couple of seasons. And then we bought him with his brother, uh, Luca, his elder brother, Luca. So they stayed at, at, on loan there. He's been on loan here and there. He's been to <laughs> FK Zeman uh, for, I think, half a season. NSE Breda, uh, a club we do a lot of work with in Holland. He was there for a season, I think. And then this Hellas Verona. It's the Hellas Verona where he's, he's done, uh, obviously, uh, Sean. He's broken into the Serbian national teams. Had a couple of appearances for them. 15 million, probably a bit more than I was expecting, but I've not kept tabs on him. But if you've had if you had half a good season, you know, uh, in Italy, then and people can see what you do. Yeah, 10 or 15 million sounds reasonable. That comes to about 70 million. Nearly done with Ray now. Ray, is it true that um, if, as is reported, Jaden Sancho goes? Uh, from uh, his team to uh, Dortmund to United, there's a 15 million, uh, 15%, sorry, 15% sell on clubs. I believe there is. I believe there is. Uh, you know, when City sold uh, Sancho to Dortmund for 10 million pounds, I think it was, um, you know, people say he's a City reject or he reject, you know, City had no choice. It was in the last year of his contract or last few months of his contract. He didn't want to stay. He wasn't going to sign a new contract. He wanted to leave. He was apparently a little bit disruptive. Now, we don't know if that's a club saying that uh, because the kid wants to leave or that he was a little bit disruptive. You know, it's easy to put stories out, out there. Uh, look at what Liverpool did to Raheem Sterling when he wanted to leave. So he chose to go. He's done very well out of it. Um, yeah, if he goes to United, if we get 15%, then actually it's a decent amount of money. For a kid that cost us, I think, a million quid or something from, was it Watford? So, you know, we'd have got 10 million plus whatever we get for him now. And maybe another 12 million. 20, 20 22 million is, is not bad a bit of money. If you add that to all the other money that we're going to get from the loanies that we're selling, that comes to nearly 100 million pounds. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, guys, we've had like nearly two hours out of Ray. I, I really hope that uh, you appreciate that. I'm going to put this out in about 20 or 30 minutes because... We haven't had too too many um, audio issues. But what I'm going to just uh, ask Ray to finish off with is this. Okay, Ray. So um, we've got the Euros coming up. What do you expect will happen? Um, Who do you think will win it? And what are you expecting from the Manchester City players that are playing in that tournament? Um, To be honest, I've not watched. I watched about 10 minutes of a game yesterday. I've not got any interest, uh, especially in the group stages where... Is it when you got groups of four and three teams can qualify? <laughs> it's just a, a for me. It's, it's 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 a waste. It's just showing you know ha- having games for the sake of it. Um, I don't like that. I might start watching seriously uh, once they're out of the group stage and when they're in, into knockouts. That's when I'm going to be more interested. Who can win it? Well, Italy did well against Turkey last night. Uh, the ex Man City manager Bobby Mancini, Roberto Mancini. So he's there. Bobby Mank, um, others, England, England, England have got a reasonable chance. You know, they've got, they've got some very exciting players with Mason Mount, Foden, Sterling, if he plays and he, he hits form, Jack Grealish, Sancho. So, we, we, you know, it's, uh, England do have some really, really good attacking players. I think they've got a good chance. Portugal, City got a, a few players with them in with the likes of Bernardo Silva, with the likes of Joao Cancelo, Ruben Diaz. They've got to have a chance. I mean, you know, if you've got those three players in your side, you can have a decent side straight away. Um, so they could do well. Spain, we've got Ferran Torres. I think, you know, he's earlier in the season, he's got a hat-trick against Germany. Spain beat them 6-0. So, 
So they'll have a chance. Who's going to win it? No idea. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I like the look of what Italy have done so far. So let's go for Italy. And Ray, finally, uh, what are you expecting from City from next season? We're going to win it all. <laughs> okay. Well, that's clear enough. Okay, well, listen, uh, guys, uh, sorry uh, Colin Savage was not here tonight, but obviously he's um, otherwise detained. But he will be, he will be back with us uh, for the next one. And uh, we'll try to do a few pods uh, during um, the Euros. But as uh, Ray said, we'll probably only take an interest in the, uh, the, the final uh, parts of it. But um, I hope you enjoyed it, guys. Um, I really enjoyed it, too, uh, always with uh, Ray. So we're just going to finish off uh, here and uh, thank Ray for contributing. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure, Mike. All right, guys. Well, this has been Bolt from the Blue. You've been listening to Ray from City Fan TV on YouTube and, of course, uh, Bolt from the Blue on uh, Twitter. So thank you so much, guys, and we'll see you very, very shortly in the next pod. And so until then, we'll say to you, as we always do, have one of us. And up the blues.